Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Hey, this is Ronnie Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now Class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the Jerry Radcliffe Show. I'm the co-host, Chris Graham, joined by the Hall of Famer, Jerry Radcliffe. We'll talk some UVA football a little later in the show, but we're going to start with some basketball recruiting news and uh, some big news with a commit, and we're still waiting on one other. That would be a huge get, but Jacob Kofi, uh, Jerry, is is a is a rather significant uh, get for Tony Bennett and the staff. Talk about Jacob and, and uh, the news involving his commitment. Certainly is a big get, Chris. He visited Virginia a little over a week ago and was really blown away by everything and actually committed several days before he actually announced it on Sunday, uh, I guess afternoon or evening, but he had, he had been in the fold for several days, kind of kept it close to his vest, but and that's pretty rare in this day and age. Usually people are trumpeting it as soon as they can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and to keep that uh, quiet and not some, have somebody else spill the beans. Uh, he, um, he He's he's a big get for Virginia. I mean, I, I, that's good signs for Virginia's basketball program and for Wahoo fans because two of the guys that they've made high priorities he and christian bliss both were for the class of 2024 although bliss after he committed and signed uh well after he committed he reclassified up to the 23 class and signed as everybody knows by now but he was a uh, their major target for that class uh and beat some good schools to get him and then with Kofi, I mean, every school on the West Coast, the Pac-10 schools were just uh, frothing at the mouth trying to land this guy. They wanted him so badly. Uh, a lot of the people out on the West Coast are calling him Little Kareem. I'm, I'm not sure that's uh, fair to the kid because there's not many Little Kareems out there. But, but uh, watching a lot of video on this kid, he can block the ball like crazy. He's a, a really good post defender. He can score inside. Uh, he's very mobile. He can go out to a stretch four and shoot it. And he has a really good passing touch, Chris, something that I don't think he's given much credit for. But this kid can really pass the basketball. And uh, I know that's something he takes pride in. So, uh he looks like he at 6'9", 225, he can be physical and go in and, and mix it up down in the paint. But, um, yeah, he picked Virginia over Ohio State, Southern Cal, and Washington. Uh, a lot of the other Pac-12 schools, who some of them will be ACC schools in the not-too-distant future, uh, our Big Ten. Uh they offered him, uh, and it came down to those four. But uh, for him to come all the way across the country and, and commit to Virginia, uh, that's a good sign. I mean, that, that's two of the big priority guys that they wanted that they got. And, um, you know, I think one of the th things, one of the feathers in, in Tony Bennett's cap is something that, that Kofi talked about was that, one of the main reasons he wanted to come to Virginia was he believed that they can develop his game for the next level. And that's the same thing that Christian Bliss said. 
So if that is the word out in AAU or EYBL or high school basketball, that's a really good thing for Virginia that these kids have the faith that they can come to Virginia now and take their game to the NBA. That's something that other coaches used to try to use against Virginia in recruiting. And now obviously they can't do that anymore. And if that word is out on the street that, Hey, I can go to Virginia, just same as Kentucky or Duke or anywhere else. And, take my game to the next level. That, that's that's a great thing for Virginia basketball. And I'm sure it's something that Con Canoople is paying attention to as well. They're, the other guy in this class that they uh, have made a high priority, obviously the, uh, the main priority for the recruiting class. Um, and, and Kofi said, you know, he said, I, it's an honor for me to be coached by Tony Bennett. I mean, that's another thing. If they're talking about that on the West Coast, that, that means Tony's reputation has truly grown nationwide, and he's up there with, with everybody else in college basketball. And um, I, th- th- those are two really good signs that Tony can go in there and, and recruit against anybody and and pull in some great players from all corners of the United States. You think of the the great recruits that Tony's had over the years, the guys who've, who've, who've done well at Virginia and then have gone on to the next level, you know, dating back to Joe Harris and Malcolm Brogdon uh, all the way through, uh, you, you know, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, uh, DeAndre Hunter, the, the mostly guards. I mean, I know Hunter, you know, plays forward in the NBA, but he was a he was a he played three and four a lot at Virginia and a small four at that, uh, very a very athletic four. Um, mm. So for and so I, I know that we would hear that coaches uh, opposing coaches would say, well, okay, great, he can he can you know if you're talking if if Tony was talking to and other coaches were talking to big big guy recruits fours and fives, he he you know they would say they would recruit against him by saying. Tony can develop guards, but can he develop big guys? Can he develop a guy like you and make you a better player? And so, you know, now the idea is getting out there. Yes, he can. I mean, he's got guys like Jay Huff and Mamadi Diakite who are, you know, sniffing around the NBA. Anthony Gill's been in the NBA for a few years now. And so uh, now that he's got those guys uh, that that came to Virginia and maybe not as NBA prospects and left as NBA prospects, uh, that uh, you know, that's that's a to me that's as good a sign as anything. Tony Bennett getting guards, he's been he's been getting and developing guards and sending them on to the NBA. Now he's getting big guys and sending them on to the NBA, and that's going to recruit even more of those guys to come to Virginia. That's a great point, and and you're exactly right. Um, and that's you know they've missed out on some big guys as well. Um, a couple of them have, have gone to Duke or elsewhere. I'm thinking of Armando Baycott at Carolina too, a Virginia, a Virginia yeah. high school recruit. And yeah, Mark Williams from Northern Virginia going to Duke. Um, we missed out on those guys, but you know, Tony's Tony's holding his own now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh that's another good sign for the future as well. And if they can continue to do that, then you know, there's there's no holds barred. They can uh they can go after anybody and and be successful at it. Um. So th- th- that's terrific. They they've had some other guys in for some visits, um, some official, some unofficial. But um, I guess the the latest was Con Canoople last week. Uh, what a busy week for that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about it maybe the last time we did a podcast, in that he was going to Wisconsin on a. I think a Monday or a Tuesday uh, after he got back from Alabama. I know he went to the Alabama-Texas football game while he was there and scrimmaged with the other Alabama players and a couple of recruits that they had in for that weekend. Uh, Then I think went to Wisconsin, uh, came to Virginia last Thursday, and then was off the next morning to Duke and watched the Duke play football last Saturday afternoon against, uh, I guess it was Northwestern before he went back to 
uh, back home to Wisconsin, but um, I, indications are that he is going to make a decision sometime in late September or early October. I would imagine it'll be sooner rather than later. Certainly, he would have a good idea by now, I think, of where he wants to go after making those final visits. That was his second visit to Virginia. Uh, he was here back last February when Virginia beat Duke, and we all know what an exciting atmosphere that was in JPJ. It was, it was just one he couldn't get any more electric than that, I don't think. Um and I know I, I think Virginia had good feelings about it. He, I, I know he had a good visit. I talked to some people who uh, confirmed that he, he had a really good visit here. He was here with his mom and dad. Uh, his mom is still the leading all-time scorer at Wisconsin Green Bay, which happens to be Tony Bennett's alma mater. His uncle, uh, his mom's brother. Uh, was on the same team as Tony Bennett at Wisconsin Green Bay. Tony was a senior, and uh, his uncle, uh, Norigard, I think it was Jeff, I believe, uh, was a freshman on that team playing for Dick Bennett. Uh, the Bennett name obviously is huge in all of Wisconsin, even more so to that family, I would imagine, having the ties to Wisconsin Green Bay. And uh, I know uh, when Canupa left here, I, I know that Virginia felt like that they had done everything they could possibly do to impress this kid. And now everybody in Wahoo Nation's holding their breath and keeping their fingers crossed and their toes crossed and got their foot out and all that stuff, hoping that uh, he'll pick. The Wahoos and I, yeah, here, I, I got I, mine across right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just have good vibes, good feelings about this kid. I think he's the perfect kid for Virginia's program. He's a really uh, good kid, uh, solid, great family, great character. He just fits. Uh, he looks like a Virginia basketball player. He's got uh, a great game that would fit perfectly into what Virginia does on both ends of the floor. And I think you, you land this kid along with Kofi and, and you got Bliss already in the fold. Uh, the guys that they'll have coming back next year when these guys come to town, I I, I, I see a final four in their future. If they land Canoopal, I just, I, 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 at least one final four. I, I just think he's that good. And with the cast that he'll be surrounded with, and who knows what other doors, recruiting doors, this will lead to opening if they get him to sign on the dotted line. I think uh, the future of Virginia basketball, Chris, is looking just fantastic. And I, and I know, I know Tony Bennett is very excited about the team coming up this year. So, uh, with that in mind, of uh, the the team this year, and then what's already. Uh, Looks like it could be in the uh, in the fold. Is reason to be excited, no question. I think you know your son Scott does a great job uh, in, in recruiting stories uh, for both of our websites, jerryratcliffe.com and gusfreepress.com. I think one thing we should assign him to do is to look and see uh, how many other Wisconsin Green Bay basketball greats, or just in general guys that Tony played with, have kids getting ready to come up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that might be the recruiting beat right there that we need to look at. He he does so well with Wisconsin in general, and and so um, you know, trading on that name certainly that reputation, which is so well deserved with with him, with his father, with his family out there. Um, but huge, huge potential news. And it, you said late September. It's kind of already getting to be late September. I'm looking at the at the it's, it's yeah. September 20th, right? So we're. Uh, yeah, we'll be on pins and needles waiting for that news, whatever it might be, as far as Conkanoopal goes. That would be the, you know, they've already got a lot of pieces in place for next year and and, and beyond, but he's the centerpiece, no doubt. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's switch gears then, Jerry, and let's talk about the uh, the athletic pursuit that maybe uh, is is 
it's it's struggling right now, no doubt. 0 three start for the uh, football Cavaliers. Uh, another loss on Friday night uh, at Maryland. Another game this coming Friday night. Two straight Fridays for the Wahoos. Uh, Friday night uh, at home, ACC opener, NC State. Brennan Armstrong coming back uh, from uh, after five years playing at Virginia. Um, where do we start here? I guess maybe with the quarterback situation, Jerry. What's the latest uh, from Coach Elliott? Uh, as regards uh, who will maybe be getting this, the, the snaps behind center on Friday night? Yeah, well, we talked to Tony Elliott yesterday at his press conference, and he said that Tony Musket, the original starter who won the job in training camp, has continues to make progress, uh, is still day-to-day. Um, I don't know that we'll – that we will know. I'm sure that he or Anthony Calandria will know something by today or tomorrow about who will start that game. We kind of expected Musket to start at Maryland. And I was, I was uh, surprised that Calandria was the starter uh, because Musket's shoulder that he hurt at Tennessee was still a little sore. He was having uh, some difficulty in, in doing some of the things in practice they needed him to be able to execute. Uh, he's he's back he's been in practice now f- for the past two weeks and um but he, uh Elliot said you know this is a long term decision for his long term health because it's a still a long season and they want him healthy for the rest of the season. They don't want to take any chances. So if he's not uh, 100% ready to go, then I think we'll see Calandria again on Friday night. Uh, Musket could have been used last the last two games in an emergency situation, but they didn't have uh, to worry about that because Calandria has handled himself fairly well. Uh, we asked Des Kitchens again today after practice. Um, they had a morning practice. We were over there at uh, around 10.30 and asked him, and he said, uh, he said, what, what, whatever, uh, whichever, he said, one of the Tonys will start. <laughs> and we said, well, when will, when will we know? And he, was, he, he said, well, when one of the Tonys tells us. And so uh, we're talking about Tony Elliott, Tony Musket, and Anthony Tony Calandria, so uh, a lot of Tony passing the buck there, but uh, he was grinning uh, tongue-in-cheek through all that. So um, we won't know until we see somebody trot out uh, Friday night for the Wolfpack. But uh, I was surprised uh, at at how well Calandria uh, played the past two weeks. I know you and I saw him. Uh, in the JMU game at the press box. I, I actually got there late, Maryland. Uh, the Beltway traffic was a nightmare. It took us actually over four hours to get to College Park from Charlottesville, which is normally a two-hour drive. Uh, I, I was walking up to the stadium uh, when Virginia scored its first touchdown. I missed it. I saw it on the big uh, their big uh jumbotron from outside the stadium which i guess virginia we'll see a new jumbotron i guess at virginia friday night um but i I saw virginia's first drive and that score that score on that jumbotron then by the time i got into the press box watched them drive down the field for the second touchdown take a 14 to nothing lead and i was um, i was my jaw dropped i was so surprised that they did so so easily they used a little trickeration to to do it but you know there's nothing wrong with that um and you know calandria played well for the most part until late in the game when i, I think he just tried to do too much he, he tried to put the team on his back and overextended himself uh as i'm sure all the virginia fans will know by now they had a chance to tie it at 21 and he forced a pass down in the end zone, uh, Maryland intercepted in the end zone and then drove 
essentially the length of the field to swing the momentum, and then he threw interceptions on his next two passes in a row, and Maryland scored eventually off both of those to blow the game open. Uh, freshman mistakes, it's part of a, the maturation process of, of any quarterback that we see. They're going to force things, make mistakes, try to play outside of themselves, and it's it's a lesson learned. He'll be better for it next time, I think. But, um, you know, he impressed, I think, all Virginia fans. It gave them some hope for the future, even though Musket could be the starter Friday night. But, uh, yeah, Mike Loxley, the Maryland coach, who has coached some pretty decent quarterbacks, including Tago Viola, um, said he that – uh, Calandria reminded him of a young Tagliabiola, uh, and that called described him as dangerous uh, because he can extend plays with his legs. He's uh, smart. He can. He's got most of the throws. He can throw it out of the pocket or on or on the run. So um, something to be excited about if you're a Virginia fan, and uh, uh, you know he is his passer rating is pretty good particularly for a freshman who's only really played two games. So, I, you know, I, I think if he lines up uh, Friday night against the Wolfpack, I, th- I think he's got a chance to move the football and, and put some points on the board. Curious about one thing. Coach Elliott, uh, you mentioned, talked about how Tony Musket would have been available um, last Friday night in an emergency situation. Um I- I wonder what that means. I don't. I don't know that we know. Was was he the backup? Uh, if if something had happened to Calandria, was would that trigger the emergency? Would Grady Brosterhouse or Jared Raymond been the quarterback in that kind of situation? Any sense of that, Jerry? As as to what he meant by emergency was 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 Musket the backup, or was he just going to be in there if everybody else got hurt? You know, that's a good question. That, that's something we all failed to follow up on, which we should have. And um, um. I was wondering the same thing uh, last night when I was looking at some stats and stuff and wondered if they would have gone to uh Broster house or, or whatever. Um, I know that was the originally the plan that he was be the backup, but yeah, that we don't know the true definition of emergency situation. If, if maybe a Broster house had gone in and couldn't move the chains and things were just imploding that maybe they would have gone to musket. I don't know, but um, yeah, that's a good question. It's something we should have followed up on and we didn't. Uh, Let's talk about Brennan Armstrong. Uh, I think you were on the call with him yesterday. I've written about this too. Um, uh, He talked with uh, a lot of Virginia media for obvious reasons. He played here. He played at Virginia for five years. He was a starting quarterback for three uh, holds a lot of records uh, in the record book, career passing yards, career touchdowns, single season passing yards, single season touchdowns. Obviously had a struggling season last year, went to NC State as a transfer for his sixth college year. Um, obviously, it's – it's and, and Coach Elliott talking about uh, Armstrong, too, from both the standpoint of having to play against him, but then also the emotion that there could be there. Um, this is a very interesting situation. And also the uh, offensive coordinator at NC State, Robert Anai, um, coming back to Charlottesville – um, you know, there, there's some, there's some interesting things going on here with this. Uh, the fact that this game is in Charlottesville this, this, uh, this Friday night, uh, maybe take us into what Brennan had to say, maybe what coach Elliott had to say as far as all that goes. Yeah, it really is. I'll, I'll be writing about that, uh, after the, pro- after we finish our podcast today, but, um, it, it was good seeing Brennan again. Uh, he recognized a lot of us, uh, our faces on the zoom that we had with him and a uh, great kid, friendly kid. Um, he's looking forward to coming back to Scott stadium. He said, he's not sure what his emotions will be like, probably mixed. Uh, but he's going to, he said, the, my main job is to forget all that um, and focus on trying to win a football game. And, you know, he's had uh, sort of an up and down season thus far. Uh, they played VMI last week. It wasn't uh, much of a test for him. And then the week, the game prior to that, 
I believe he threw three interceptions against Notre Dame and a lopsided loss and um, was so-so against UConn in the opener. Uh, I, I think um, he, he's looking forward to seeing some of his old teammates and and all that. But, you know, he, he said, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh for five seasons at Virginia uh, in that stadium. And uh, I'm sure it'll stir a lot of emotions for him uh, about how hard he would play uh, for Virginia. But uh, I think it's, it's kind of the same Brennan that we we've known uh, we've seen the good and the bad. Uh, He was talking about how last year in a pro offense, it just didn't click with him and that, uh, he thinks that it helped him uh, progress his game so for when the next time is he'll see a pro offense, that he'll have a better understanding of it. But now he's back into an offense that he's comfortable in. Um, and we ask, you know, what, what, the, what were the changes since the last time he played for Robert and I two seasons ago? Um when Anai was still at Virginia before a year at Syracuse. And he, he said it's very similar, but there's some, been some tweaks to it that they changed some things while Anai was at Syracuse that they've implemented uh, into the old Virginia air raid offense. And so that I, I think uh, it'll, it'll be a fairly – similar looking thing for Virginia fans who watched it for several years, but uh, Armstrong's game is still the same. Uh, he, he runs the football a lot. And uh, I think that's something that Virginia has had some problems in stopping other uh, quarter uh, running quarterbacks. And uh, Brennan's not your run and slide type of quarterback as Wahoo fans are very familiar with he's going to take on the runner um, and get everything he can out of it he's a very aggressive runner he runs like a running back instead of a quarterback and that could pose some problems Um, he's good in the open field and we've seen what he can do he he can um, he can miss a wide open receiver he can throw an interception he can drill a perfect pass that can go for 50, 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. So every time the ball is in his hands, he's a threat to do something with it. But, uh, you know, some of the Virginia players are saying, you know, we're we're uh, hell-bent on picking off one of his passes <laughs> and letting him know about it, and we won't let him forget about it for the rest of the year if we do. So, um They've gone against him in practice, weren't really allowed to hit him, so now they'll have a chance to put him on the ground, and I know that's uh, in the plans for Virginia's defense. So it'll be an interesting uh, scenario when when he comes walks back out onto the turf at Scott Stadium on Friday night. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Goodfeet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993 back on the staff at UVA, excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Yeah, he he ran for 96. He didn't, in the Connecticut game, week one, he didn't throw very well in that game. I think he threw for 155 in that game, but he ran for 96, kept the chains moving. That's what he can do. Uh, you know, if he's, and we, we remember from 2021, um, I think it was six games of over 400 yards, one of those over 500 yards in that uh, record-setting season for him. Uh, at Virginia in 2021 uh, in that offense. So, um, you know, still trying to get things to click. He talked about that, that, you know, there's still he, – he's, of course, I mean, very familiar with the offense, but all the other guys around him are still trying to get used to some of the things in that offense. So, um, 
Uh, that'll be a, a interesting. And, and you know, the UVA defense. I wrote about this this week, Jerry, uh, after the Maryland game. It seems like, you know, to me, I mean, having watched every game, uh, you know, play for play, and 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 you know, thinking way too much about it. I know that the defense is giving up 42 points plus per game. I felt like there were a, a long stretch in the Tennessee game where the defense played great and then just kind of fizzled out in the second half. I felt like in the Maryland game, it was 21-14 in the fourth quarter. I know the interceptions played a role, but then also the Maryland offense drove 80 yards, drove 56 yards in the fourth quarter. So that, was a, that wasn't all on the interceptions. That's a little bit also on the on the defense. It seems to me that the defense plays fine and then maybe just doesn't have the depth I know Coach Elliott addressed that after the game at Maryland, um, but that seems to be the big issue. This is not maybe not the quality of the defense, just maybe the the number of bodies who can do the job. Um, what, what, what you know? What, what what did you glean from what Coach Elliott has had to talk about that both after the game last week and then this week during the the midweek press conference? Yeah, well, they're, I, th- I think they're looking for as many bodies as they can get out there. Uh, they played, I think, nine nine freshmen against Maryland, and I think seven of those might have been on the defensive side of the ball. So they're trying to add to the depth and build some depth so that they, when people come rolling fresh legs at them uh, with their rotations, that they'll have an answer and, or, and at least take some of the pressure off Virginia starters and and gives those guys some plays off every now and then just a little bit of rest and uh, for a series or something here and there and and try to build that depth on that side of the football. Um, the young guys, I think, have responded fairly well. So they're probably going to make some mistakes, but um, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Chris. I think they're getting worn down a little bit that late in the game and that really showed at Tennessee. And I don't know if that's was, I, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in the fourth quarter against JMU after that hour long storm delay. But uh, I, I think that had some impact at Maryland. I, I think the major impact were the four straight turnovers, but, and that put, uh, that gave Maryland uh, uh, one short field and, and gave him the ball. You know, I think the defense was just out on the field too long, and and I think they did get worn down in that respect. But uh, up until that point, they had played pretty well. They they didn't really give up uh, too many explosive plays, uh, and one of the Maryland's touchdowns came off the ninety-eight yard kickoff return that that was a uh, wasn't a backbreaker, but it, it certainly didn't help. Uh, it helped swing the momentum back into Maryland's corner and got their crowd back into it because I think the crowd was stunned. They had a decent crowd there, uh, particularly students. Uh, and uh, uh, Virginia scored both their touchdowns going right into the teeth of the, the students down there in that one end zone. So I, I think their crowd was somewhat silenced and stunned that uh, they were trailing so early to a team that they were supposed to beat by two touchdowns and found themselves trailing by two touchdowns in the first quarter. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that they're trying to do is is build some depth. And, you know, perhaps before the season's over, that it'll really pay off. I don't know how much it's going to help at this point, but it can't hurt. And uh, they'll probably need it against NC State this week, too, because uh, the Wolfpack, I think, uh, likely has some pretty good depth, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And so they'll need some fresh bodies in there to to try to compete uh, as the game goes along. Yeah, this NC State team has not played up to the expectations I had for them, and a lot of folks had, I think. Uh, there were There were folks that had them – I mean, consensus that the uh, kickoff ACC kickoff was fourth place uh, behind Florida State, Clemson, Carolina. Uh, but I thought they could be a team that could sneak up, uh, you know, with things going the right way and maybe, you know, contend for a chance at an ACC championship game appearance. Uh, I was going to mention you you talked about the 98 yard kickoff return. Um, and it's it's going to sound weird for me to say a 42 14 game. Uh, did not feel like a blowout in lots of ways. Won all those turnovers in the fourth quarter. It was a 21-14 game in the fourth quarter. Um, UVA was driving with a chance to tie it. Um, 
there was also the drop pass uh, Malachi Fields in the third quarter, that long pass that that could have either got a been a, been a long gainer or a touchdown that, that factored in too. But that kickoff return, man, that's two straight weeks with with points given up by special teams uh, in the first quarter uh, and giving momentum uh, and points. I mean, you, you know, when you lose a game like they did to JMU by one point, and and seven of that comes on a punt block, that 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 stands out and. And, you know, Maryland didn't score its first offensive touchdown until 123 to go in the second quarter. So, I mean, that, that that's those seven points on that kickoff return were huge. I know Coach Elliott addressed this week in his, his presser yesterday uh, just what they need to do on special teams. I mean, this is this is something that's got to be fixed and fixed real quick. Absolutely. I mean, this this Virginia team keeps shooting itself in the foot, really. I mean, they're, they're making – mistakes that can be eliminated and until they fix those things and eliminate these issues they're they're going to have it they're going it's going to be a struggle to win chris you just can't keep making those kind of mistakes on both sides of the ball and in special teams uh and expect to win because the other teams are, are going to you know, try to capitalize on your mistakes. And they're, they're sitting around waiting on you to make mistakes and let them hang in the game or or uh, control the game or swing momentum. You don't want to help their cause, but that's what Virginia has been doing. And like you said, uh, they, they've given up a kickoff return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, uh, had a punt blocked in the, their own end zone. Uh Right now, Virginia is ranked number 127 in the country out of 132 teams in kickoff return defense uh, and number 128 in the country in punt return defense. Uh, you don't, you just can't do that. Uh, special teams are supposed to, you know, you can make that a strength or a weakness, and right now it's certainly not a strength for Virginia and there's just no excuse for some of this. They last week they they just simply lost containment uh, on that kickoff return. The guy was way too wide, left a big hole, and you you don't need much if you're a kickoff return guy. You beat the, you beat that initial contact guy, and, and if you you've got a hole and a wall. Uh, if you've got any kind of decent speed, and most of those return guys do, uh, you, sometimes you only got to beat one guy. So um, you, you just can't blow that. And, you know, if you're making mistakes like that in special teams and then defense is uh, blowing some assignments or, or not tackling well or, or something to that effect, and if the offense is turning the ball over, um, you add all that up, and it it makes it ten times harder to win a football game. We already know how hard it is to win a football game without making mistakes, so you you can't hand it over to the other team. And you know, getting back to the defense, Chris, one one of the things that's hurting this defense. Their last year, you know, they would bend and not break. They only gave up 24 points per game, and that was fourth in the ACC in points allowed. They were uh, number four in defensive efficiency in the ACC. This year, uh, they're number 120 in the country in total defense. Like you said, they're giving up 452 yards and 42 points a game. That's almost double what they were giving up a year ago, and uh, one of the things one of the, I think that's hurting them is that they're they're not they're not taking the ball away from other teams. They they've have one fumble recovery, and that was against Tennessee after um, Sue, the big defensive tackle, recovered a fumble, and then they lost him for the year when he came off the field and celebrated and and uh, tore ligaments in both of his uh, knees. Um, yeah, it was lost for the season, and that that's an, was another blow that the defense really didn't need. That's the only that's the only takeaway they have this year. They don't have any interceptions at all, and 
even though they put a little pressure on Tagla Viola last week, um, they they didn't they didn't get him on the ground, and and that's the thing they they're not putting enough pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, the JMU kid uh, McLeod last uh, the week before uh, he had all day to find his receivers most of the time, and uh, they, they've got to they've got to do some things. I know we uh, Scott German and I talked to Chris Slade about that before the season started and, and Chris was very gung ho about he felt like that uh his pass rushers were gonna be able to be really effective at at putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks this year and his goal was twenty five to thirty sacks and so far that's just not happening. It's not a reflection on Chris by any chance, but they're just they're just not getting to the the other team's quarterbacks, and that, that's another thing that's got to change. I don't know if they have to blitz more or find some kind of exotic packages or or what the answer is, but uh, they're not forcing turnovers. They're not uh, they're not making you know not uh, capitalizing on on getting any turnovers, and that puts your defense under a lot of pressure because they can't get off the field and. It, it's not handing your offense the ball uh, in enemy territory either. So uh, you add all these things up, and now you know why they're uh, underdogs in every game they go into. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, not a good prescription there. Uh, let's let's go into uh, injury issues, updates on some guys, and also there was one guy, the first guy that I'll ask about, Demick Starling, not an injury uh, issue, but um, – I, I'm not sure if we know exactly what the situation is, but Tony Elliott saying that uh, Starling will redshirt the rest of this year and uh, Elliott does not expect him to be a part of the program next year. So um, that was, I mean, is there any insight, Jerry, into what's going on there? And then maybe update us on some of the other issues with guys who've been hurt. Yeah, I mean, not really. Uh, I think we were all somewhat surprised when he announced that yesterday when we were asking about injuries on the team for an update. And uh, Demick last year uh, looked like he had a lot of promise as a wide receiver. He made some pretty uh, dynamic plays, if I recall, during the season, even though they didn't win many games. But he, he seemed like he showed that he could be a guy that could uh, potentially be a big play receiver in this offense. And then – uh, so far this season, he didn't ha- he didn't have a catch, just two targets. Yeah, two targets. He had one kickoff return. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure anybody knows what the real problem is there. But uh, yeah, Tony just said it was a mutual agreement that he would redshirt, try to I guess uh, finish out the school year in good academic standing, and then plan to play elsewhere next season. So we were all somewhat taken aback by that news and probably uh, something that surprised everybody out there who's a Virginia fan because they, he was one guy that that uh, I think everybody was kind of figuring would be a playmaker for this team at some point. Um, so one less guy that uh, to be around to, to – to, help move the football. Um, uh, Clary, uh, defensive back, um, we've been wondering if he was going to make it back, and that, uh, they were trying to rest him to see if his ankle would come around. It looked like it wasn't going to, so he decided to go ahead and fix it now and uh, underwent the knife, had surgery on it, and – Tony said he thought it would be six weeks recovery. So I, I guess maybe he had the surgery earlier. Uh, I don't know, maybe over the weekend or something, but they uh, they don't anticipate him being out the entire season that he could come back with maybe four games to play and then they'll see, you know, uh, what the situation is. Um uh, Lex, uh, 
uh, Lex Long, uh, yeah, the, the free safety um, won't be available this week. He's a little banged up, so that's one last guy they'll have in the secondary to go against Armstrong, who is a, a little more familiar with Armstrong, having practiced against him last year. Uh, Akira, the, the uh, linebacker, I guess, is day-to-day. Uh, -day. Uh, ben Smiley is in, uh, or at least as of Tuesday, was in concussion protocol. So uh, I guess he'll be day-to-day -day as well. He could be back Friday. Uh, Jimmy Christ, the right tackle transfer from Penn State, uh, apparently had some good reps in Tuesday's practice. I assume he did today. We didn't ask about him today, but um, Elliot reported that, that Chris was full to go. Uh, so, and has been cleared by the doctors. So he could perhaps uh, get some playing time against NC State on Friday night. And that, uh, we're assuming will be a bolster to the offensive line to give them one more guy uh, and help that depth um, because the guy that, that took his place, uh, um, gosh, uh, I always struggle with his name, <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he may be, uh, I guess, Nana. Nana, uh, Nana, Nana, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, he is. He's struggled a little bit out there at right tackle, but he can play guard or tackle. So uh, they could move him back inside. Uh, they they have different guys that they can shuffle back and forth, and so they'll just be another body on the offensive line, which seemed to make some strides last week. Uh, they did have a little bit more of a running game up against Maryland, and. That was a, a positive sign, and they, they made that one switch. They moved uh, Ty Furnish, the center, to right guard, and um, Brian uh, – uh, Stevens. Stevens, yeah, the Dayton transfer yeah. from right guard to center. And, and uh, the, you know, Furnish had been having some problems – on the uh, center snap, they were getting some low snaps uh, back into the shotgun formation. They didn't have any of those problems in Maryland, so they considered that a win. Yeah, and uh, and it and it was so uh, week by week, they seem to be making some strides on the offensive line. That maybe at some point, uh, and, and these guys continue to learn and improve their. Uh, abilities at some point, perhaps it'll all come together for them. All right. Well, the game is Friday night. Uh, we will be in the house. Uh, a lot of folks will be in the house. Uh, anything else, Jerry, about uh, looking ahead to Friday night uh, that I haven't uh, grilled you about yet? Well, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the crowd will be like. I, I, I don't think there'll be a lot of NC State people there. There'll be some, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know how well they travel. Uh, I'm sure they have a, a fairly decent contingent of people, but uh, it's a it'll be the first night game at Scott Stadium in a couple of years, I think. Uh, I know there weren't any last year. Um, I would think that it has the potential to be a pretty good crowd, Chris, because, again, it's a night game. It gives people time to uh, maybe leave work early from around the state and – and show up, uh, tailgate a little bit. Uh, certainly the students seem to turn out well for night games. I only, I only worry about one thing, and you have a story on your website about it, about the parking. Um, the you know, parking that, is somewhat of a nightmare. <laughs> and because it was the, the, the whole, the whole traffic situation for the JMU game, the first home game of the year wasn't good. And that was for a Saturday game. And man, you know, yeah, with, with the parking lots, the, the, the hospital and the, and the Fontaine and stuff like that, man, you know, it, it could be, it could be tough. So, um, yeah, and, it's also, and, it's, it's a night game and night games are special. And, and, the, you know, some of the old parking lots that were, uh, at U Hall, where U Hall used to be, they're being redone. So a lot of those aren't available right now. So the, that eliminated 
uh, a lot of parking spots. I, I think there's some shuttles and stuff available for people who have to maybe park off, off way off site. But um, I think this has the potential, Chris, to be a, an exciting, fun football game. Uh, I think a lot of people will be there to just kind of see Armstrong again. Uh, I know he was a very popular player. Uh, he didn't have a good year here last year, and maybe some fans kind of uh, soured on him. But uh, you got to hand the kid uh, credit. I mean, he, what he said about he poured his self into trying to win for Virginia with blood, sweat, and tears for five years. Um, hung in there when he didn't have to. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, he won the hearts and admiration of a lot of Virginia fans. And I, he, he wasn't sure how he'd, he'd be greeted. He, he hopes he'll be greeted. Well, he said there might be some booze and he said, if, he, if it is, that's okay. But, uh, you know, he he's also – he kept it to himself. Somebody asked him, uh, I guess somewhere earlier in the week, he had mentioned that he wanted to salute uh, Virginia's three slain players who he was teammates with uh, in some way, in some fashion. I don't, I don't know if he's going to have their numbers on his shoes or have a special patch uh, or a sticker on his helmet or, or something. Uh, he said he was going to keep that to himself until later in the week. He's been thinking of some ways to pay tribute to them, but um, a little bit of his heart, I think, is still here at Virginia, and uh, it'll be interesting to to see uh, all the dynamics and all the little sidebars of this game. I know uh, a lot of Virginia fans will really want to are hoping that they can find some way to uh, put it on Robert and I, the former Virginia offensive coordinator who didn't exactly leave here on good terms. Uh, somewhat of a bitter divorce, I think, but um, I know most, all of them will never forget the last play that he called <laughs> Virginia's offensive coordinator. Um uh, an He's going to call that play again. You just have a feeling. He's going to try to run that play again Friday night. I, I kind of thought he might last year against Virginia when he was at Syracuse. At Syracuse, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did. He, he, he uh, I guess it may be bit his tongue or something when it was. When he He's going to have Brennan throw a ball to a guard standing out there by himself. He doesn't know he wants to. He, it, it, you know, yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to prove it works or not prove it works, as the case may be. I think there was a, was a, there was a game this weekend where, Oh, was it the Colorado game? One of those. Well, there was like one of the West Coast games this weekend where uh, that I saw that play work. Uh, a tackle eligible. A tackle eligible, and it worked. I mean, the guy that basically waltzed into the end zone um, with a with a convoy. So um, it's almost like an eye is looking at that play and saying, "See, see." I've I've seen it work before in my over my career, but I've never seen it work on the. With a uh, a rivalry game on the line on fourth and whatever it was, and in the final minute of a game, <laughs> the for the three hundred pound offensive tackle caught the ball sixteen yards from the line of scrimmage and had to uh, beat a, a myriad of guys to get to the end zone. That which was uh, again the the dumbest call I've ever seen in in, in my uh, illustrious forty some years of. Uh, covering football and tech was ready for it man they had guys over there it's like they saw the play they they, they somehow they somehow knew virginia was running they, they, i was going to call that play i've never seen anything like it yeah that trick play it, it can work but man oh man when there's little guys over there getting ready to tackle that big guy <laughs> it has no chance i wonder if anybody will bring some signs uh, that to remind him of that uh friday night <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know the fan base has has a tendency towards cleverness so i won't be surprised if that's the case i, I, would, I would love to see that myself <laughs> to see some good signs some clever signs to uh about the, that that particular call i will mention here as we're getting ready to wrap up that i will be on grounds tomorrow night we're recording here on wednesday so thursday night Big country music concert at JPJ. Thomas Rhett and Cole Swindell double bill 
uh, you know, my wife's very excited about that. So uh, we'll be there early and uh, hanging out and listening to some good country music uh, Thursday night and then Friday night, of course, for football. There's uh, also a big, there's also a big uh, women's soccer game Thursday night at seven o'clock at the same time as the concert, which is going to also make parking an interesting situation. That's why uh, we'll get there early tomorrow night. <laughs> number, uh, I guess number twenty, Virginia Steve Swanson's team, uh, undefeated. I think they're five zero and three, taking on the number two North Carolina women's team. Uh, it's been a huge rivalry for years. Uh, Hanson Dorrance, I, I guess he's coached the Tar Heel women for what forty seven years, Chris. It's a uh, it's a it's a women's soccer school there in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I mean. It, <laughs> That might be the longest tenure of any coach in the country. I don't know, but uh, uh, they've won national titles galore down there, and so uh, certainly be a feather in, in Swanson's cap and, and the Virginia women if they could knock off the Tar Heels uh, in a huge uh, women's soccer game. So, uh, good luck with the traffic uh, tomorrow night, Chris. You might you might have to get there at four o'clock to find a space. I don't know. I might- I might leave now. Um, <laughs> he might spend the night uh, camped out in JPJ. Exactly. Yeah, figure out something there. Uh, if there's any kids that we uh, know that are going to school there, stay hang out in their apartment or something. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be interesting as always. Uh, the way the, the way they never coordinate things and, uh, with JPJ and all the events going on there, but it should be it should be a lot of fun. It'll be you know the environment all both tomorrow night and Friday night should be really interesting for. Um, for UVA fans, country music fans, everybody else. Um, so, Jerry, I guess as we're wrapping up here, let's thank the folks who helped make this possible and make it possible for us to do this and make it available to our listeners and viewers for free. Yeah, thank you to Roback, uh, activewear company that sponsors us. Go to our website, click on their ad, get 20% off your first order. Um, we would appreciate you doing so. It gives us uh, some support and certainly supports a local company that's uh, fast growing. Uh, it was interesting, Chris, I saw, I, I, I don't know if this was a gimmick or if it's uh, serious, but apparently one of the uh, owners of Roback, uh, who was a UVA Darden student uh, or graduate, actually, uh, uh, is good friends with Ed Orgeron, the former LSU coach. And uh, she said that because she's on, uh, uh, I guess, pregnancy leave or whatever, or, or getting ready to go on pregnancy leave, that they've hired him as an interim uh, uh, assistant CEO or something to that effect. Oh, wow, interesting. And, and uh, I saw a, there's a commercial uh, on the Internet. I don't know if it's on TV, but it's uh, on the Internet of Orgeron over in their factory on 29, North 29, uh, doing some interesting things, uh, psyching up the uh, w- workers and uh, putting them through drills and uh, motivational speeches and only the way that Ed Orgeron can. I wouldn't um, want to have to transcribe those speeches later on. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Otter transcribed Ed Orgeron. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that, might break their, that might break their system. Uh, but uh, he, he's trying to get them to change their logo from uh a dog to a tiger, and uh, instead of go go tigers, it's uh, go uh, roback, and uh, so it, it's a rather uh, humorous commercial. If you get a chance to check it out out there, uh, our viewers. So we'd like to thank them for their support. Also, Aberdeen Barn, Virginia's finest steakhouse, uh, makes my mouth water. I don't know if you'd be able to go there tomorrow night, but maybe. Uh, if you're in town early, you can go tonight, or excuse me, Thursday night, and uh, yeah. grab a grab a nice, comfortable, luxurious dinner and uh, uh, fine service, fine atmosphere, fine food. Our uh, colleague Scott German was there last weekend, so uh, you know mm-hmm. he he's he's definitely did his part to remind me that I need that I need to get over there. I got to get over there too. I, I've, been, <laughs> yeah, I've been working too much at night and don't have any free time. So I have to gulp down dinner at 10 o'clock or something, but bag on jobs. <laughs> <laughs> one of the hazards of our jobs, I guess, yeah. is late dinners. And, uh, but anyways, uh, thank, thank uh, Aberdeen Barn for their support. 
and also the Good Feet store over at Stonefield, uh, right across the street from the theater. Um, Jonathan Cotton, um, they um, do NIL deals with UVA athletes and offer strong support. So uh, they, uh, you know, some people still think that's a, a shoe store. It's not a shoe store, although they do sell shoes. I have a pair of nice Brooks shoes on right now that I bought from there, but they are, their specialty is especially designed arches for your feet. They design, they do some measurements and stuff for your feet while you're there in the store, uh, give you recommendations. They can make the, make them before you leave. You can wear them out of there and you, you'll feel like you're walking on pillows or something. And when you leave the store, so if you're having any discomfort, even if you're not, uh, you owe it to yourself to go by there and and check them out, see what they can do for you. So thanks to all those great sponsors, and uh, we couldn't bring all this to you without them. So next, drop by and say hello. For everything you can possibly want to know about UVA sports, particularly the football game coming up this uh, Friday night, uh, go to jerryratcliffe.com. You can also get some stuff on augustafreepress.com. Uh, there's all the basketball recruiting news updates on Conconupal, et cetera, et cetera. Go, go to those websites and you'll get a lot more information. Um, it's my pleasure to be the co-host here with the hall of famer, Jerry Ratcliffe. I'm Chris Graham signing off. Everyone have a great week.